The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Vicious Whispers, episode 84. My special guest is Jonathan Gonzalez. Thank you so much for being on, Jonathan. Mark, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's awesome, dude. We haven't seen each other in a long time. Are you still training jiu-jitsu? No, I'm, I'm kind of taking the same approach of, uh, as a lot of other people are just kind of exercising more caution. I, I still hit the weight room and I, I go out and I run. I do stadiums and stuff, but jujitsu is just a little too close for comfort. And I'm not, I'm, it's not that I'm waiting for a vaccine or anything like that. I, you know, recently made a move when I was training in Pasadena. I feel totally comfortable mm-hmm. uh, training there as long as the, you know, the person I was training with was cool with it. But coming into a new school, I, I don't know any of these uh, people that I'd be potentially training with. And right. I, I guess I'm kind of creating a little bit too much out of that, you know, kind of unsure how comfortable I would feel or how they would feel. Yeah. Now, are you, uh, do you miss it? Do you get enough, do you get enough from everything else? Like uh, any other kind of exercise compared to jujitsu? No, it, it's a bit different. Like, you know, when you're, when you're training by yourself and you're out running, uh, if, if Donna doesn't join me, that's my wife. Uh, if Donna doesn't join me, I'm usually doing it alone and it can be somewhat antisocial cause I'm not engaging with a lot of people. Whereas jujitsu really fulfilled that social gathering, uh, since outside of, uh, training, I don't really get into social gatherings that much. I'm, I'm pretty private. So jujitsu for me was sort of, uh, a release of being able to contact with people on a level which was something we all had in common which is wanting to be into a sport doing something kind of fun like that so yeah I, I kind of I, I miss that aspect of it the the community yeah no and I, and I think that's that's something I hadn't really thought too much about what I miss the most because I definitely love competing I love the competitiveness but honestly man I would I, w- I probably talked more in jiu-jitsu than anywhere else. And and oftentimes, like, in between rounds, as soon as we get done, you know, the round's over, like, that whole next minute or whatever, I'd be talking to my partner, whether it was uh, – and you and I were partners for a long time, which was cool. Yeah, um, yeah, when you came and trained at uh, Pasadena, which was – you know, I, I, I kind of wish we still had that element because I, I, th- I always thought that was a great, safe, fun meeting ground, Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I think that was, that was one of my favorite places to train. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed training at headquarters, but there, there was a lot more. I think I was getting hurt a lot more because there was so much more ego going on and everyone wanted to show off in front of Eddie and just yeah. full speed. And like I was guilty of that as well. Um, oh, and for listeners that don't know this, Jonathan is Donna Gonzalez's husband. Uh, Donna Gonzalez is the co-author of Try Not to Die in Brightside, great friend. Uh, so it's definitely cool to be talking about this. Um, now, uh, all right, I guess we can leave all that jujitsu shit alone. Uh, well, so did you, were you purple belt right now or did you get brown? Were you, where were uh, you? No, I, I stopped that purple. I had just uh, received my purple and I was on the cusp of training a lot more because I wanted to develop that purple into potentially a brown. Uh, 
once COVID happened, that, that just all came to a crashing halt. And I, I doubt I'm even as good as a blue belt or probably even a white belt right now because my uh, time off now is, uh, gosh, six, seven months. Yeah. And, and, and that adds up on the body. You know, the body's going to feel different when it goes back into those elements. You know, I'm, I've just been conditioning for strength and, and doing a lot of cardio. And once you get into jujitsu, because I'm not doing jujitsu-based exercises, it, it's not going to function well into the crossover. That's true. That's one thing I've really noticed too. Like it's, it's depressing watching videos of people training. Cause I'm like, fuck every day they're training. I'm not. And yep. like last night I realized I also haven't been doing my yoga and stretching. And so I'm just tight all over. Like I I've yeah. lost weight. So now I'm down to uh, like two, I'm between 200 and 205, which is the lightest I've ever I, been. I, I was going to say, I can only really see your face and judge by that, but you, you have slimmer contours. Oh, uh, and I would remember the, the big 220 pound guy. Uh, yeah. That would just roll over people. So I know that was, that was terrible. And, and that's the thing is like, I would like to, uh, you know, I like to test myself out now and see how I would do and everything. But on top of everything else, like on top of all the COVID stuff, dude, every time I train, like I fuck up my neck and then I'm in a bad yeah. mood and my low back hurts. And so I was like, do I even, am I even going to ever return? Like, I don't know. You know, I, I really did want to get a black belt. I wanted to get my brown and then eventually, sure. black, but you know, it is what it is. So uh, it's, it's, it's a big, what if, and you know, when, when your body feels your best, yeah, you're going to, you're probably going to go your hardest, mm-hmm. which increases the very variability that you're, you might injure yourself, but on the other end of the coin is you're conditioning those parts to hopefully withstand yeah. anything potential that can happen. But I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's so many inconsistencies with uh, the sport of jujitsu that it's just any little thing can happen. Yeah. And, uh, my wife, Jen, she, she gets pretty depressed about not having it too. the camaraderie, the competitiveness, the physicality. Um, but I've been trying to remind the whole family is like, look, it's like, we know how to handle ourselves in a fight now. Like we can, we can protect ourselves. My daughter trained for about four years and competed a lot. And, you know, now she's, she's still only 12 years old, but like five, nine, but I feel safe, you know, she could handle herself. And, and even my son, like if he gets in a little tussle, he knows how to protect himself. And so mm-hmm. I definitely, you know, we, we got so much out of it. So hopefully one day I'll return, but if not, I'm okay. Like I've, I've, I've made my peace with it. So. Okay. That's, I mean, that's a, that's one of those crossroads that you have to, that you have to come to is uh, am I done with this forever? Uh, I, I don't ever believe in that forever. I, I don't think we ever fully make, uh, a decision like that. That's like saying, um, yeah, I'm going to give up. Uh, I don't know. You have like a, you like burgers, you like pizza. I'm going to give those up forever. You probably won't. Yeah. So like net, 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 like forever, you know, and, and ever, it, it, it may not ever come. You, you may yeah. return to it and you can have a lot of longevity with it. It just really depends, but I get what you're saying, man. And especially if I were to change my mindset and just train smarter and not like how I used to. So I think that's mm. big. All right. So now we'll switch gears. Now we're going to heavy metal. Um, all right. So let's start. Let's go way back when. When was your first taste of anything heavy? So your first taste like heavy metal, when did you realize you heard it and you're like, okay, that's what I like. And were you listening to other music before that? Like how, how old were you and what were, what was like the first band that really turned you on to it? I, I love this question, Mark, because this, this takes me back to when I was about six or seven years old and I had my first experience of listening to a cassette tape, 
which was Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls. And most people get their start in something that's not so esoteric. Like I could have mentioned, oh, I was into Diamond Head. Well, a lot of people may not have really know who Diamond Head is compared to Iron Maiden or Metallica. So for me, Metallica, For Whom the Bell Tolls, scared the shit out of me because it has an entrance with the tolling bell and then it kicks into like some guitar. And I was introduced to it from my cousin, Jeff and my cousin, Jeff, my cousin, Mark, my cousin, Jason, who are several years older than I am, were already very much well into that. My, my cousin, Jason was already playing guitar. Uh, He's playing a lot of Metallica songs. So that was my first time hearing live music, but you know, the progression from Metallica into uh, some slightly darker stuff like like Ozzy Osbourne or, or uh, uh, gosh, who else? Uh, even like ACDC at the time was pretty taboo uh, for the type of music and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, six, seven years old and hearing that stuff, I, I knew I loved it instantly. I wanted to watch. There's Donna, <laughs> which is getting ready to head to Arizona. Oh. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I knew that would change my life forever. I would forever be into metal uh, if it involved the guitar, drums, bass, and, uh, you know, some extreme vocals, 100%. Now, how much of a draw do you think the music was compared to, like, the imagery, the covers, you know, uh, even the lyrical content, um, you know, for you, what do you, th- I, I, and I know it's a combination of probably all of that. Uh, but for you, what, what do you think it really was? Uh, I, I think just the overall sound of it, because I was only familiar with, uh, and, and still to this day, I love pop music, you know, anything 80s pop. But I, I grew up in a time where music was very relevant. It was on radio stations. It was on MTV and everything else. So for me, like getting into the lyrical content of a lot of these songs, like when I first started listening to uh, Merciful Fate or King Diamond, and then the whole like devil uh, and evil versus good and God thing kind of came into play. And a lot of this dark imagery of like witches and witchcraft and, and stuff like that just, you know, made a huge impression on my seven, eight year old mind. So lyrically, I wanted to learn these songs. I wanted to learn uh, Ride the Lightning Front's uh, uh, song to end song. I wanted to lo- know all the lyrics. And I, I did so at a pretty young age, you know, I was eight or nine when I got into those lyrics uh, a little further and I could sing every song on Ride the Lightning or Kill Em All, uh, you know, front to back. So it had to be the lyrics. Yeah, lyrics were huge for me, man. I, I think I think that's probably where I got my love for storytelling. And, ah, yeah. uh, you know, like, especially like Iron Maiden, I used to love all their lyrics. I mean, every single album, like, that's what I wanted to do. Like, I would just study the lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. Now, did you, just curious, did you go up, grow up in a religious household? Was religious? No, not at all. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I, I did the typical, like, I was born into Catholicism, and it was more of like a social gathering with my friends, uh, Holy Communion and Confirmation and all that. But at the age of 10, I told my parents, like, is this something that I have to do forever? And they're like, well, no, it's, it's really your decision. So, you know, I, I haven't really touched on religion as much since. Uh, so yeah, not, not over religious, religious at all. Uh, aunts and uncles, even cousins, not, nah, not too bad. Okay. Cause I know for me, I, I was force fed Catholicism. I had to, like, I, and I, I was very much against it, but it was, you know, it was there. And so I, I was especially attracted to anything that was anti-religion or mm. satanic or whatever. I mean, 
in high school, I was carving pentagrams on my stomach. You know, <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, that my nickname in, in Catholic high school was Satan. Um, so, oh my goodness. Yeah. You, you, you raised the ranks. You, you went to like pure absolute antithesis of, 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 uh, of, um, uh, Christianity, yeah. which is as high as you can go. So yeah, it must've been extreme. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty bad. So that was a, just another draw, but all the, all the imagery, death imagery, warrior imagery, uh, just all of that. that. That was, that was huge for me. Um, now, did you ever get into, uh, did you ever play music? Did you, whether an instrument or my, no. my biggest regret, Mark, was not my I, I had this really good friend in high school and we still talk every now and then. But he gave me a guitar and he's like, practice this. I'll teach you chords. I'll teach you how to play it. And I was about 17. So I, I was like, OK, I'm not too old for this. I can I can practice. I spent about six months practicing before I realized I just didn't have the patience for it. And I've regretted it every day since because I've always wanted to be in, in a band. I've always wanted to travel and, and play music in a band. I think that's the coolest thing in the world is if you could rise through the ranks of a musician uh, and be a professional at it. I, I, I think for me, that would have been like one of my happiest moments ever. But I tried and tried throughout the years and I just can't pick up an instrument and have the uh, tenacity or the, the, uh, the patience to just stick it out. Yeah, I, uh, dude, I, I, yeah, same, same with me. I always wanted to be in a band, but I never had, I never had the kind of personality that could get up on stage in front of people. And I didn't think I had any kind of musical talent. Um, but it was a couple of years ago when I started doing the brain training, that's when I realized how good uh, music is for your brain. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I forced myself to start trying to learn and, Dude, every once in a while, I'll be like, why am I even fucking with this? Because I'm never going to be as good as I want to be. Uh, yeah. you know, I don't have the patience to put in the, the work. But, dude, I'll plug it in for like 20 minutes and uh, play some ACDC or Twisted Sister or, or whatever. And then I think it's fun and I feel good and it doesn't sound that great. But whatever. I was like, if I keep doing that, I was like, that should be enough for me. Um, but, yeah, I wish I, I wish I had done that as a kid. Uh, but that wasn't a, that wasn't an option. I think that's like a big wish on everyone's like, you know, you, you listen to the music and you do the air guitar, like the air drums, or I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone ever does an air bass or anything like that, but you sing to the songs because you know the lyrics. And I, I, I think for most of us that that'll probably be the closest we'll ever get to that level because it takes so much, uh, not just the enthusiasm or, or like the, the integrity to stick it out, but just the time, like, you know, it takes eight, some people play eight, 10 hours a day because they love it so much. And, and that's their thing. Like, that's what they do with their time. And that's, I, 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 that's very impressive. I wish I could do that. Yeah. My, my daughter, she's talking about wanting to be a performer and she's actually, today she came down from, she does school up in her room, but in between her mm -hmm. classes, she was, she's like, yeah, she's like, I learned a lot today about music theory. And she was just on YouTube, like, you know, uh, learning about music theory and telling me what she learned. I was like, that's awesome. I was like to be, you know, already, already have an idea in her head that that's what she wants to do. And then she's taking the steps to do it. I was like, that's, yeah. that's exciting to see. Yeah. So, she's only 12. So if that, if that, uh, if that is nurtured to the point where, you know, this could eventually be something that she uh, progresses professionally to, I, 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 this is where it starts, you know, yeah. like the enthusiasm at a young age, if it's not nourished and if it's not, uh, you know, 
helped and and uh, and uh, given like credence to, it may not ever turn out to anything. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I, I think that's hundred percent. And and one thing I always suffered with for everything was that I wasn't going to be good at it. You know, I, I had this belief in my, like just low self-esteem or whatever else, but I was like, uh, you know, I could try it, but I'm never going to be any good. I'm never going to be the best, you know, the whole perfectionist thing. So yeah. we made sure to get that out of her. Like she doesn't have that. She's willing to try it. And, you know, we just keep saying, yeah, you, you do anything enough. And if you're, if you're passionate about it, it's like, you're going to be really good. So I, I agree. I agree. Um, now, what are some of your, like, if you could name your top, like, what are, like, maybe five bands that have heavily influenced you? Uh, and it could be more than that, but in the in the hard rock or metal genre, like, what are, what are like, five to ten of some of your biggest bands that you still listen to and that probably really helped kind of shape you in a way? Okay. Uh, Cradle of Filth is probably number one, only because that was my jump from bands like Typo Negative and, and Korn and, and Mudvayne and Slipknot that I would listen to in high school. And then listening to something that was finally like on the very extreme side of music, uh, Cradle of Filth. And I, I bought all their albums immediately. Anything that was out around, uh, gosh, this was, would have been uh, 1999, 2000. So I believe they only had like four albums with a couple of EPs out. I bought everything immediately. I went to a record store. I got everything that I could. And to this day, I, I listen to them religiously. Um, Amorphous is a band that if they're in California, I will do my best to go see them live. They're probably my most favorite band right now. Uh, again, much like Cradle of Filth, they kind of changed my uh, perspective on music. And I've got a chance to see them, see them live a couple of times. They're amazing, great energy. And I, I own all their albums and I will forever support them. Uh, Behemoth, uh, one of my favorite bands. I, I started listening to them at a, you know, outside of high school and uh, brilliant band, just absolutely brilliant. Uh, Death, which is, you know, why I'm wearing their baseball tee here because I'm a huge Chuck Schuldiner fan and I feel like his talents were taken away far too soon. I, I wish he was still alive and Death albums were still being put out. Uh, as far as like technical death metal, I don't think it gets any better or more uh, raw in approach than uh, Death and what Chuck Schuldiner brought to the table. And uh, lastly, Camelot. I'm, I'm a big power metal fan. I, I love Camelot. When I first listened to them, it was the first sort of introduction, like after bands like Iron Maiden, that kind of had like that falsetto sound of the music and a little more upbeat tempo, uh, that kind of power epic metal sound. And, and Camelot has become my favorite band as far as that genre goes. So those, those five bands in a nutshell are like my top five in my playlist. Okay, now, um, do you mix up those playlists? Because those are pretty different strains of music. Uh, yeah. You know, or, or do you find yourself just turning to the death metal for like when you're feeling a certain way and then you got power metal when you're feeling something else? Um, how, how, how does that work for you? I, I try to download music constantly. I, I try to see what, what is new and refreshing as well as I'll go back to like some of the older school stuff. Like Benediction has an album coming out pretty soon, I'm definitely going to check that out because I haven't heard material from them in a while. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily have to be in a certain uh, mood to listen to anything. I mean, I can go from Catatonia, which is like more dark and like ambient, and then I can progress all the way to something like uh, Death, S Death SS, which is a little more upbeat, and then go to Cannibal Corpse. 
and then go to listening to, um, you know, something like, uh, like Camelot or Rhapsody or someone like that. I mean, I, I have a lot of musical flavor, so I, it doesn't ever really become a mood thing. Uh, road trips, I just let it play. Whatever comes on, comes on. Now, if Don is in the car, is that still, that will, will she put up with the death metal? <laughs> okay. <laughs> At most, like I got her to listen to a couple of, uh, a couple of songs from different groups. Like she likes uh, Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. A lot of the, you know, softer, more melodic songs I can put on and she'll listen to, which is cool. Um, of course, things like Soundgarden, like more of the mainstream, like rock stuff, Nirvana, which mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of. And um, that's our middle ground. Otherwise, the other middle ground we'll find is not in metal. It'll be like Janet Jackson or George Michael or someone of like the pop genre. But okay. we listen to podcasts. We don't <laughs> you know, try to, hey, I'm going to listen to my music. You're going to listen to your music. Nah, you know, we try that. It doesn't work. So to avoid conflicts, uh, podcasts. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I lucked out with Jen. She's been like, again, she doesn't listen to the harder stuff, but she'll do, mm -hmm. you know, like she loves five finger death punch and bands like okay. that. And she's been with me to a bunch of machine head shows. And so that's, she's, uh, that's, that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we've, well, we have a mosh together, but I protect her from the mosh. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, benediction i forgot about them uh grind bastard i think was the album that i had of theirs i was like oh I didn't man it's the best i i listen to grind bastard all the time it's like songs because I, I just put it on shuffle and i guess the shuffle knows like what i like any given time and it'll put on two or three songs in a given two to three hour period and i'm just like right on man like they're one of my absolute favorite death metal bands that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm going to check them out again. I Because, dude, I stopped listening to death metal. I was really into death metal for a while. Um, mm -hmm. And then I just, I don't know, I got got out of it. Um, I think the fastest I was going was, well, I, I listened to death a lot. I, I used to, I had a ton of the death CDs, so I definitely loved them. Um, but, yeah, I haven't been as much into the, I, I think kids mellowed me out, maybe. Maybe that was, <laughs> I'll blame it on them. They, they screw up. Yeah. Don't do it. Uh, dogs are way better. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of, like, death metal, and, and, you're, and it's funny, I had this conversation with a guy a long time ago where he was like, hey, I heard you're into death metal. Uh, we had mutual friends. I'm like, yeah, and he's all, do you listen to it a lot? And I'm like, yeah, man, I can really get into it. I'll listen to, like, a lot of albums straight. And he's like, man, he's all, he's all, I reached the point where I just couldn't really do it anymore. Like, I, I guess he kind of equated it to uh, maybe some subliminals or something like it was just kind of making his head a little crazy. And I'm like, well, you know, I was 23, 24 at the time and I didn't quite get that. Yeah. But after listening to death metal for gosh, 20, 20 years now, I could see if that was all you listened to. Mm -hmm. It's possible. It can kind of like, you know, you have your earbuds on and it's, it's loud uh, decibels with a lot of loud noises and stuff like that, definitely possible, which I, I think a lot of people uh, might have like a specific choice in mind when it comes to music. But as a whole, I, I try to appreciate all the fruits of, mm. of, uh, of all like the, the musical genres of, of metal. Um, I just don't concentrate on one thing. Like at one time, it was just be as extreme as possible. Now it's like, oh, this is music. I get into this melody, I get into this sounds. Uh, this message, these lyrics, you know, there, there's so much more that influences me now. That's cool. Yeah, you're way more open-minded with music than I was. I was very, I just had a conversation with my buddy about it and it was like, I was always just metal and if it didn't fit into metal, then I wasn't listening to it. Like, so death metal fit in there and 
melodic and power and all that fit in there. But if it wasn't, then mm-hmm. I wasn't listening to it, except for like some metal hip hop. You know, I, I love that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, talking so about never, like the, the new metal stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I never, I never, uh, I, so my musical tastes are very limited, um, but as I'm getting older, um, they're expanding a little bit, um, and I also think I'm way more sensitive to noise now, and that was mm-hmm. one of the things I realized, like, with all the brain injuries, uh, that was one of the things I learned, you could be more sensitive to noise, and so certain pitches, or, and maybe, maybe the death metal is just too much for my brain, like you're saying, so, yeah, I'll, I'll have to find out today, I'll, like, I'll listen to it the rest of the day, uh, if I end up yelling at the family, like, around by seven o'clock, <laughs> like, okay, I shouldn't do that anymore, um, all right, how about now, listening to music on your own or going out and like did you did you go to a lot of concerts and would you if you were going to concerts would you rather go to a small place like a small tight venue or a big amphitheater like what what attracted you like what kind of what kind of concerts would you want to go to so yeah after uh after high school i moved to uh, i grew up in a small town so we didn't have concerts or anything like that I moved to uh, uh, Gilbert, Arizona, which is close to Phoenix and, and Mesa and Tempe and all those places. I started going to concerts right about 2000, and I was going to concerts every weekend. Uh, Cryptopsy was in town. I go see Cryptopsy. Uh, Napalm Death was in town. I go see Napalm Death. Uh, Nile, which is one of the best live shows I've ever seen. I'll go see Nile. And they were all traditionally in smaller venues. Uh, the Marquee Theater in uh, Phoenix, the Mason Jar, which I think is now defunct. Uh, Jugheads occasionally would have some shows, but I preferred the smaller shows. I remember watching Opeth before they like really got big and at the Mason Jar were 300 people. Now they're playing in front of crowds of like thousands. So that that is really cool to have seen a band that intimately close mm-hmm. that you know I have, a, I have a lot of respect and admiration for. I, I would probably put them number six on the top five. And you know, watching bigger shows like Nine Inch Nails, I, I, I don't feel as engaged. I don't, I mean, there's energy in there, don't get me wrong, and they're a great band, but I just don't feel that same engagement. I, I like smaller house shows that have like four or five bands, play a 30 to 45 minute set list, and then the, the uh, headliner will probably play an hour or so. That's, yeah, I, I, I want to be able to watch that at least a couple of times a month. Yeah. Um, are you doing, are you watching any remote stuff at all? Do you get anything from that? Like any remote? Yeah, I, I actually just watched uh, um, uh, London After Midnight. Uh, they, they did a show and they're brilliant live. Like I've never seen them live, but this, this show was like really good. And they're all, you know, in different rooms because they're socially distancing. But they did a song called Nightmare, which is my favorite song from them. And they were just tight and precise. And I, I think bands nowadays they they have to be like extra 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 tight and precise because they may not all be playing in like a studio together you know depending on what the the rules or or the laws are but yeah i try to watch as many of those shows as i can and uh they're unique and they're neat but it's heartbreaking because i i want big like vakin open air and i want uh, milwaukee metal fest and uh all these shows to like happen again one because bands that's how they make their money yeah uh and two like fan engagement like nothing's more fun than going to a concert and then just being with your aficionados and people that appreciate that type of art Mm -hmm. you know i I hope we could all get that get that back very soon 
Now, have you gone to, so like other genres of music that you like, have you gone to other, those kinds of concerts? And is it the same type of experience? Do you get as much from it? Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to think of who I, uh, this is going to sound bad that I'm biased, but I, I haven't been to many outside metal concerts. Um, I'm trying to think. That's good. I like uh, we, we can't really classify Pearl Jam as metal at all. They're definitely rock, but in that genre, it, amazing concert. And uh, that was uh, at the Coliseum a couple of years back. Uh, I don't go out of my way to go see shows that, that typically aren't something that I'm really into. Bear in mind, I do like Pearl Jam mm. and I would go see them again, but uh I, I I guess if uh if he were still alive, I would love to see a George Michael show because I heard he's an amazing performer live. And I, I love George Michael. Like I, I listen to him all the time. And uh, you know, to go see a show like that, or you know, I heard Madonna puts on an amazing performance. I, I like enough Madonna to go uh see one of her concerts, but also I don't want to pay the big yeah, you know, take a price. I can go to a metal show and watch five or six bands and pay like 45, 50, 60 dollars. I, I don't think I want to pay anything over a couple hundred dollars to go see a live show like that. How about, um, how about headbangers, metalheads, heavy metal fans in general? I mean, I know you shouldn't really generalize, but have you found them to be, um, I don't know, I, I think they have a bad rap. You know, mm. like everyone mm -hmm. thinks they're idiots and they're stupid. I mean, some of the smartest people I know are, are into metal. Um, so what's your experience been with that and at shows, too? Uh, I'll, I'll admit it can get pretty aggro. Uh, one, I think the music sort of inspires aggression, mm -hmm. which is where the like mosh pit was kind of born out of. Now, I've been to shows where there's some like bullies in the crowd that that want to hurt others. And they're there for the wrong reason, like. Music should be, no matter what type of music it is, it should be a gathering of people in a live setting that enjoy it. There shouldn't be others trying to fuck with your, your harmony or like your vibe. And I've been to enough shows to see that, yes, uh, some metal fans can be dickheads, but I would never call them a metal fan because they're there for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I, I would say most of the people I've ever met that enjoy metal music, that play metal music, that go to the concerts, are some of the coolest people I've ever met. I mean, I can, they're not burnouts. I never met a burnout, to be mm -hmm. honest, uh, in those uh, concerts. And I've, I've kept up a lot of good conversations with a lot of people. I've, I've talked to a lot of musicians after the show that were kind enough to, uh, to speak with me. Uh, Pat O'Brien from uh, Cannibal Corpse, he actually hung out with uh, some friends of ours, uh, uh, some friends of mine, uh, for like two hours after a show. And he must have been exhausted. They played two hours. And we were just talking about everything and anything metal. Uh, same with Tony Loriano. Uh, he used to be the drummer for Nile. He's uh, a, a phenomenal drummer. He's played with a lot of bands. Same thing, like just a smart dude that, you know, would talk to us for a long time after the show. So, no, I've, I've met nothing but really cool people on a personal level uh, that are metal fans. That's awesome. Um, I know I used to be, I used to be in the pit all the time, but I would always be looking for the bullies and then I would bully them. And try to take Thank them you. Out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it takes. Like, I'm I'm not a super big guy, so I couldn't impose my will on someone that was over six feet tall and excess of 200 pounds. Knowing what I know now, yeah, I could break an ankle. But back then, it was like push and shove. Yeah. So thanks for being uh, one of those uh, those guys in the crowd that that fucked back with the bully because yeah, yeah. 
yeah, bullies don't belong at shows like that. Blindsiding people, yeah, you know, pushing them to the ground like that. You can hurt someone pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I've seen guys get really screwed up. My buddy uh Nato, I went to a bunch of shows with him and he was reminding me, like I've forgotten so many, but he's like, mm-hmm. Remember that one guy who was doing this and then you went and you did this? And <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I wish I did remember, but I'll take his word for it. Uh, yeah. All right. So how about uh, any new bands I should check out? Knowing that I don't listen to too much death metal, uh, mm-hmm. who are some newer bands that you think I might be into? Uh, I don't know how new they are, but they're pretty new to me. Uh, Onskops, which is, uh, I, I believe they're a Swedish. I, I think they're, their country of origin is Sweden. And okay. They're a black metal band. They, they kind of remind me a lot of... Uh, you know, what Mayhem was doing. And, and obviously the Scandinavian influence can reside heavily on Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of bands uh, that came after, you know, really emulated that, that kind of black metal sounds. Uh, you know, I haven't listened to a whole lot of brand new bands. I, I, I typically listen to a lot of the bands that I already know about and just listen to like newer stuff or like stuff that I haven't heard from them. Uh, Another new band that was new to me is, uh, if, if, if I'm pronouncing this wrong, I apologize, but Nair Mataron, uh, N-A-E-R-M-A-T-A-R-O-N. They're a Greek black metal band, or brilliant, in, in a, amazing black metal band. Uh, trying to think of anyone else. Uh, gosh, I, I, I really need to pay more attention because I know there's a lot of great bands out there right now. And if you go on to Encyclopedia Metallum, it gives you a, a, a pretty big list of like alphabetized bands and there's hundreds of thousands of metal bands in this world, like past, present, and then will be in the future. So, man, it's, it's just like, if you're an audiophile and like all you ever listen to is metal music, you haven't heard it all. I guarantee it. There's just, there's too much music out there to like ever even really get your hands on. YouTube or uh, trying to go to websites to find some of these more esoteric bands, good luck. Yeah, no, what I mean, for this month, what I've been doing is I, I force myself to make a video every day about a band that's been influential. So, dude, when mm-hmm. I when I decided to do this, that I didn't realize it was actually going to be some work. And so yeah. I'll spend the day listening to, you know, just get on Spotify or whatever, and then I'll listen to all their songs. And the ones mm-hmm. I know, that, uh, like, usually when I do that, I mean, it's cool because it takes me back. Like today I was listening to Twisted Sister. So I'm going back to when I was 10, 11, 12 how those songs hit me, which ones were my favorite. Like, so it is fun, but I mean, so that's one day of just listening to one band and only hearing those songs one time. I was like, sure. You know, like how much can you really listen to? Uh, yeah. So it's a, uh, yeah, not, not enough time in the day to, to experience it's not. it all. And you can't absorb it all either. Like, like again, like Twisted Sister is a pretty familiar band to a, to a uh, band to a lot of people that have been listening to metal music and to listen like to to even just an album of theirs and really like let it soak in that could take a couple of plays playthroughs i yeah. mean try to do that with every band that has an album out we're talking about hundreds of thousands of of like discographies there's just no way anyone's ever listened to everything that has ever been out there that has anything to do with metal yeah no i agree um well, man, this has been fun, but I got to go take care of my son. I think we had to play some Fortnite today. I, I promised him we'd win a victory royale. And uh, But before that, you get to pick a story from Untold Mayhem. I always play one at the end of the podcast. We're running okay. low on them. Uh, so I'm going to give you a couple to choose from that are based off the heavy metal songs. We have 
Left Behind from Slipknot. Mm-hmm. I don't like that one that much. Uh, <laughs> Not a fan favorite. Um, Numbered Days and Dead to Me, which are both off of uh, Biohazard songs, or Left Unfinished, which is Machine Head. Got to go Left Unfinished with Machine Head. I'm, I, 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 I dig Rob Flynn. I, I appreciate his politics on a political level, too. And, uh, yeah, I, I like Machine Head. I've, I've always been a big Machine Head fan, so we're going to have to go with that. Sweet. Yeah, I actually I wrote to Rob trying to get him to do a try not to die. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But yeah, no, I think I think that'd just be awesome. That's my goal is to create the try not to dies with different uh, heavy metal artists. So uh, sure. So we will go off, go out with left unfinished. But Jonathan Gonzalez, thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. Awesome catching up with you, man. Thank you so much. I'm going to listen to some metal now. And then, uh, yeah, this is great, Mark. I appreciate it. Awesome, dude. Well, you have a great day and I will talk to you later. Left unfinished. A soft scraping sound pulled Robert from his nightmare a little after 3 a.m. If he was lucky, he would catch a few more hours of sleep before the long day ahead. The novel had to be in Marty's hands by 8 that night, and Robert wanted to proofread it one last time. Robert closed his eyes and pulled the comforter to his chin. The metallic scraping returned louder and longer this time. It sounded as if it were coming from inside the house. From inside his room. The silhouette of a man appeared at the foot of his bed. A very large man. And the man was drawing something across the metal crossbar, just inches from his feet. This was still a nightmare. Everything seemed so real, but Robert must have fallen back to sleep without realizing it. Either that, or he never woke the first time. It was just a realistic dream. Robert's eyes adjusted to the darkness, and he realized it was the same guy from his nightmare, and he was dragging a straight-edge razor against the bed frame. No one used those kinds of razors anymore. Further evidence that this had to be a dream. The scraping stopped, and the man grasped the bottom of the comforter and tossed it onto the floor. The breeze from the open window blew across Robert's feet. If this were one of his novels, the hero would whip out a gun. And Robert was too petrified to even move. The man grabbed Robert's foot and held it against his side, brought the razor beside it. Robert clapped his hands and the bedroom lights flashed on. This couldn't be. The man didn't have a face at least not a real one. Besides the black goatee and flattened nose, the rest of the bald man's features were not fully formed. The man's ears were large lumps with no real shape. His eyes were round and black, but dull and void of life. Instead of lips between the mustache and chin, there was only skin. Wake, damn it! Robert screamed. Wake! The man squeezed his ankle harder, set the razor against the top of Robert's foot. Robert tried to yank his foot back, but the mouthless man had it in a vice grip. The razor bit into the top of his foot, slicing through the skin and veins, riding across the bone. The pain was so clear and brilliant, Robert rifled his free foot on the man's hand, knocking it away, but not freeing the razor. The bald giant held up a fist. A mass of flesh fused around the razor's handle. No thumb, no fingers, no knuckles. 
It was the right size and color of a fist, but it lacked all detail, unlike the shiny razor, which was identical to the weapon wielded by the villain from Robert's novel. Robert continued to fight, but even with the blood lubricating his ankle, he couldn't pull free. Red-hot pain ripped through his foot as the bastard tore open another gash. The creature's face couldn't show emotion, but Robert knew the son of a bitch loved every second. The man finally let Robert's leg fall. Robert had never experienced such pain. Part of him wanted to die, to surrender. But then he noticed the attacker's left hand. It had only one finger, the ring finger, and it had an intricately designed titanium wedding ring wrapped around it. He had a very bad feeling he knew what was inscribed inside it. Looking the killer in his blank eyes, Robert said, Larry, with this ring, I give you my soul. Forever yours, Veronica. The man nodded, and if he'd had lips, Robert was sure they would have spread in a grin. Jesus Christ, it couldn't be Larry. Larry didn't exist, but neither did people who were missing mouths. The man pulled the black turtleneck over his shaved head. The south side slasher always killed with his shirt off. He loved the feel of warm blood spraying onto his skin. And there they were. His tattoos, the snake wrapped around his left arm, and the demonic skull on his right. Robert had drawn those tattoos himself, and here they were, in the flesh. The sleeve of the turtleneck got caught on the fist with the razor in it. Robert slid off the bed, nearly passing out from the pain when his injured foot hit the floor. Hopping on his good foot, Robert reached the bathroom as a muffled scream came from behind. He glanced over his shoulder and saw Larry tear the turtleneck in half as he howled, the skin covering his mouth muting the sound. Robert slammed the door closed behind him and threw the lock a second before Larry crashed into it. Robert slid down against the door and grabbed the towels lying on the floor. He had already lost a lot of blood and couldn't last much longer if he kept gushing. With the handle rattling back and forth above his head, Robert made a quick tourniquet with one towel and wrapped two others around his wounds. He needed to get to a hospital. The handle stopped turning, and heavy footsteps left the room. There was only one door in the bathroom, and Robert couldn't fit through the sliver of a window, even if he had been a hundred pounds lighter. He was stuck in here and his cell phone was beside the bed. The closest neighbor was over a block away. He was screwed. With his ear to the door, Robert could hear noise coming from one of the rooms. He had hoped against hope that Larry was leaving, but he knew better than that. He knew Larry better than anyone did. This guy was the definition of evil. When Robert had created the serial killer... He had worried the character wouldn't be believable. Sure, there were psychos and sociopaths that did some really outrageous shit, but Larry lived to take lives. He loved inflicting pain. Robert had been afraid he had made the guy too sadistic, too over the top. But his agent convinced him it would sell. Larry would make a figurative killing. There was a loud grunt and the thump of footsteps heading toward the bedroom. He must have found something to open the door. What could Robert do? He had no weapons in here. He couldn't get away. He was helpless. 
why was Larry after him in the first place? Robert had created the maniac. He'd given him life. Larry survived at the end of the novel. There was the possibility of a sequel. Why would he come after his creator? And why was he deformed? The footsteps stopped outside the door. Robert held his breath and waited. A thundering kick slammed into the door, knocking Robert toward the toilet. The door bounced off the bathroom wall and back into the frame. The door thrust open. Larry stepped into the bathroom and set Robert's laptop at his feet. On his way out of the bathroom, Larry ripped the bathroom door off its hinges and threw it onto the bed. He grabbed the chair at the desk and plopped down on it outside the bathroom. The only reason Larry wouldn't kill someone would be because he wanted something. He wanted something from Robert, and it had something to do with the book. Robert turned on the computer and opened the document, trying to block out the mind-numbing pain and concentrate on the story. What was there not to be happy with? Larry didn't die. He satisfied every vile urge he felt four times alone in one chapter. The ladies found him attractive and charming. Attractive. This guy wasn't attractive. Robert looked up and studied Larry. He could be attractive if he weren't missing parts. If he weren't deformed. That was it. It wasn't that Larry was deformed. He wasn't described. Robert had thought he had described him to a T, but looking back, he realized he may have rushed over some difficult spots and, and cut a few corners. Description had never been a strong point. Unless, of course, he was describing a maggot-infested wound or the slow-motion bludgeoning of an old woman. Flowery descriptions were for the literary novelists. They could spend pages describing someone's eyes. He would mention the blonde's eyes were blue and rush to the good part where she was being ravaged by the madman. You want to be whole? Larry grunted with a nod. Robert searched for the first mention of the maniac. I guess step one should be give you a mouth. There was a weak paragraph where Robert added a short sentence describing Larry's razor-thin lips that complimented his sharp tongue. God damn it, Bobby. It's about fucking time, he said in a girlish whisper. Robert stared at the hulking beast. Fuck shot, Larry shrieked. Robert rushed to Larry's first kill and began typing. He'd always pictured the man with a rough, gravelly voice. Let's see, Larry growled. Much better, much better, Bobby boy. It's Robert. Larry pointed the bloody razor at him. It's whatever the fuck I decided is, Bobby boy. Sorry. Should be. You know this is the first goddamn time I've talked. No way, he said. Still in disbelief, he could be having this conversation. You're the main character. And I talk to myself the whole time. Find me a place where I'm in quotes. Larry teased his nipple with the tip of the razor. What's that, smart guy? Can't find one? Didn't think so. Now how about some goddamn fingers? Robert found the perfect spot to add the details. When he looked up from the computer, Larry flexed his fingers around the razor, the muscles rippling through his forearm. And my name. What the fuck is up with that? Lawrence. Larry. That's some gay shit. 
I need something tougher than that. Robert sighed. I gave you a good name. You're a regular guy. Your co-workers, your wife, your friends. They don't know you're a sadistic prick. You need a regular guy's name. Larry tossed the razor into the air and caught it in his other hand. I've never taken a life with my left. Don't make yours be the first. What name do you want? You're the writer. Robert didn't need to look up to know Larry was smirking. The asshole loved this. He didn't care that Robert hurt so much he could barely think. How about Jack or Derek? How about no? Damien, that's cool. Something like that. Robert shrugged and did a quick find and replace. Real original, he mumbled, as he changed the name more than 300 times with the push of one button. Now hurry up and fix the rest of me. Some decent ears will be nice. Robert always hated critics. And Larry, Damien, was getting on his last nerve. He tried not to smile as he described the necrotic ears barely attached to the man's skull. Hey, dickhead! Robert ignored him and continued to type, giving Damien slanted eyes. There's a fucking mirror right behind you. Fix this shit or I'm gonna fuck you up real bad. What I did to Mary will seem like a Sunday school lesson compared to what I do to you. And you know I can make you last as long as I want. A shiver ripped through Robert's body. He had created a master of disaster, a doctor of pain. Damien thrived on torture, keeping his victims alive and conscious for every single ounce of fun. Robert deleted his last sentence and watched Damien's eyes and ears return to their former state. He thought back to Mary's scene where Damien's actions had made her think he would let her live if she satisfied him. That possibility never entered Damien's mind. He never let anyone live. He gave them false hope to make their anguish just that much more beautiful. He wasn't going to let Robert live. As soon as he was finished, so was Robert. Good job, Bobby boy. Now I'll be a real lady killer. Robert set the laptop on the counter and pushed himself onto the toilet. Got a shit? I think you can hold it. Mm, I'm trying to get comfortable. Robert put the computer back onto his lap. He had a plan, and he hoped to hell it would work. If it did, he'd escape with his life and his story. Just hurry up. I got places to go and people to kill. I'm sure you do, Robert said, as he positioned the cursor. He erased the hand description and heard the razor clatter to the floor. What the hell? Damien growled, unable to pick up the weapon with either hand. As calm as possible, Robert said, Wait a second. I'm trying to fix you up. I've got to turn this in tomorrow, and we need you in tip-top shape. Hurry up, he said with a hint of nervousness in his voice. Not a problem. Robert added a word to Damien's description. Damien yelled, Put the lights back on! What the fuck? What the fuck do you do? Robert exploded off the toilet and squeezed out the doorway, putting as little weight as possible on his ruined foot. He felt Damien reach for him, but the maniac's one finger wasn't strong enough to grab hold. You asshole! I'm blind! He screamed as he shot out of the chair and lumbered after Robert. 
Robert was opening the bedroom door when Damien got hold of him and slammed him into the wall. Robert fell to the floor and wrapped his arms around Damien's legs, trying to knock the man down. Damien, who hadn't lost his skills as a collegiate wrestler, sprawled and crushed Robert beneath him. Keeping his weight pressed firmly against Robert's back, Damien said, Fix it. Fix it now or I swear to God, I'll club you to death. Don't think I can't. I could choke you out right now if I wanted to, he said, as he slipped an arm around Robert's neck. Give me back my fucking eyes. The laptop's under me. Damien used his free hand to feel for the computer. He slid to Robert's side, keeping his arm around the man's throat. Do it. Robert had one shot left, but it meant destroying an entire year's work. He'd be throwing away more than just a huge paycheck and a lifetime worth of royalties. He'd be destroying his baby, a piece of himself. Oh, but it had to be. It was the only way. Damien tightened his grip. What the hell's taking so long? I'm finding my spot. White spots danced in front of Robert's eyes. He right-clicked the file and hit delete. By the way, Damien, what were you going to carve on my stomach? He gasped, while the computer asked if he was really sure he wanted to delete the file. Fix me, and maybe I won't. Robert knew that the man would. The madman carved epithets on every victim. He thought human flesh made a wonderful canvas, no better medium than a body. But it wouldn't be Robert's body, not today. Robert hit okay, and Larry's arm pulled away from his neck. Robert took a breath and sat up. Larry was standing, looking down at him. His mouth was missing, and the razor had magically found its way into the lump of his right hand. The file was still sitting in the recycle bin, Robert lifted the laptop into the air and brought it crashing down onto the floor. The computer was in pieces. The file was gone. Larry destroyed. But he wasn't. Larry didn't have a mouth, and his eyes didn't show any emotion. But Robert knew the bastard was smiling. In the lump of his right hand was the razor. In his other hand pinched between his one finger and palm, was Robert's yellow backup flash drive. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.